0: Oh, it is football
1: kickoff Thursday, week one of the NFL, September 5th, 2019. We are about an hour away from kickoff of uh, game one of the NFL. It is the Packers versus the Bears. And by the time most people listen to this, that game will already have taken place. So we probably won't spend a whole ton of time on that game specifically. But overall, Mike, football season getting ready to start. What are your feelings?
2: Oh, you're ready for some football. Do they yeah. b- still do that song? I love it. I miss it and I'm i, mi- I missed football. I'm excited for football. Uh, it couldn't get here soon enough, especially once you start getting into beyond the preseason games, you start drafting your teams, you actually start looking at week 1 uh, schedules and lines and things of that nature. You you kind of start, you know, digging your heels into it. That's when the excitement level starts going up and you you really can't wait till that whole slate of games comes around on Sunday but this is just a little teaser should be a fun game tonight to watch division matchup but you know overall you know the NFL it seems like it's kind of bounced back a couple of years ago you know there was a lot of controversy and it seemed to be heading kind of south a little bit uh, but it's it a seems good year last like, year yeah it was a good year last year and I, I think that Americans in general what, you know, have to have a su- substantial reason not to like football. You know, does it give a brain damage? Does it, you know, does it, does it desecrate the flag? Does it this, does it that? It can't bring it down because football is just king. Now, we have to get
1: into a little bit of the news. I know you might have been trying to uh, dance around it a, a little bit, but we just found out today there's more in the Antonio Brown drama saga. I don't remember... I remember players in different sports that have had like multiple incidents with teams, right? Like for him, it was the the feet right off the bat with the the cryogenic chamber. Then it was the helmet. And now it's he got fined for missing some of his time in camp. Like any person at any job would get docked pay if they weren't there. And it's in his contract. It's in in the writing. He posted a tweet Instagram photo of the letter that was written to him by the Raiders where he got fined from Mayock. And he apparently was in some altercation with him at the Raiders facility earlier today. And now the latest tweet that I just saw two minutes ago said that the Raiders are preparing to play week one without him. They're not sure if there's going to be any type of official suspension or if he just won't be playing.
2: Now, let me tell you this. Because I've, I've talked to the Raiders. I've talked in-house. I have a little bit of information as to what's going on. And in essence, or essentially, Mike Mayock's been done with Antonio Brown for some time now. Sure. Okay? Gruden has, you know, Gruden's admired Antonio Brown from a coach's perspective. And he's a coach's dream when his head is on right, obviously. Sure. That goes without saying. And so Gruden has kind of been like Mike just. You know, a let's say face because we're gonna look really stupid if uh, if this sink ships. You know, the season just as a whole is gonna be kind of you know blindsided by this, and it's gonna you know send us in a negative momentum, you know, right out of the gate like this. So he's really been working on Mike Mayock from just calm down. This is just a B being a B. Let's see how it goes. If it was up to Mayock, he would have got rid of him a long time ago. The sense that I'm getting from my conversation is that at this point, Mayock is ready to void that contract and move on from him entirely. Uh, this is just a lot going
1: on. Isn't before. that bizarre? And, and, and what's I crazy? Mean, and what's crazy is like in another. We see it with players all the time where they have played for a team for a while. Kind of how Antonio Brown left the Steelers. He hasn't played a game yet. That's the difference. I mean, all of this has happened, and he has not played one game for them. Like, how can you be so so? Mal- content, so unhappy, so upset with a team who has – I mean, I know you. you know, the hard knock stuff is all set up for the camera and stuff, but they, they've done a really good job of having his back through all this. Like, yeah. they really haven't thrown him under the bus through kind of the goofy behavior, the stuff with the helmet, when he was the only one in the league that was pulling this stuff with the helmet, when everybody else was okay with it. You know, and everyone else had to deal with the same the same rules that he had. It wasn't like there were these new rules just for Antonio Brown. He he got to get you know away with missing a ton of camp. He didn't really have to suit up for for much of anything.
2: But you know, we we did we did kind of see signs of me getting a little bit frustrated. And, you sure? You know, are you all in? Are you not all in? You know, uh, and and there were a lot stronger comments behind closed doors than than what you know the media was able to capture. From uh, some of those comments, like I said, he's ready to move on from him. The legal team right now is looking at the ramifications of doing so. And the salary cap team is doing the same thing. There are a lot of intricacies when it comes to NFL contracts, especially as it relates to the dates when you do things uh, during the course of the year. has different implications on the salary cap and so on and so forth. Um, Obviously, also, they've got uh, some firepower. AB has got some firepower behind his back with a super agent, Drew Rosenhaus, who is really good at um, you know defending his clients in this type of situations. And he won't back down. It doesn't matter how much time or money they've got to spend. They will fight, fight it tooth and nail. But ultimately, does Antonio Brown love playing football? I think he loves football, but I don't know. I'm not convinced he well, loves the business of the, football. The, which yeah, is two the thing, things. yeah, the only thing.
1: Yeah, the that, only thing about that that would I I would, I guess combat that a little bit is that he did seem like, the the little tidbits like he's not, for mark or for a better word like he's not a stupid football player, he's not someone who's just talented. Like he seems to very much understand the routes, the playbook. what he he has to do. And even in the little bit that he was with the Raiders that we saw, it seemed like that wasn't an issue for him when they, when they mixed him in, he already seemed to know and have a good feel for what he was supposed to be doing. So maybe not, but man, I, I, I'm kind of with, like, it's hard to, it's hard for me to build a strong case that says he does. I'm just, I'm just saying, I think he, he enjoys it and maybe even a student of the game, but maybe, I don't know if he, quite comprehended the, the money situation here and what he might have been giving up.
2: Yeah, and you know, he he's he's made comments before that, you know, he doesn't need football. You yeah. know, he's he's got enough money. He can walk away from football and comments like that. This generation
1: of players is a lot different. We've seen it with Andrew. Sure. We've seen it. I mean, you and I were talking about all the players that people kind of forget that retire early. It just happened with Gronk also. I think we there was a tweet that I sent that was floating around where there was like fifteen players that you would probably not even realize that retired in the last year, year and a half, that are like young players or players that still had a few years left on their um, maybe a few years, a good years left. So, yeah, things, yeah, we're kind of we're changed. kind
2: of beyond the day and age where where uh, players are hanging on a year too too long, you know, with a few exceptions, you know, maybe like a Gore or somebody like that. But even even you know, with him, he, there's a compelling case to keep him on a team. He's still a little bit productive and and a good mentor to some of the other guys. But I, I think we're we're long gone from that, especially when it comes to football, because they've made enough money where they don't need to continue playing, and they also, uh, you know, ultimately, well, I guess it really just comes down to this. If you've made enough money and you don't need to play, you want to be able to get, stay on your two feet, literally, and be able to walk out that door with grace, right? And I remember during the days when I worked with the Raiders, Jim Otto is a great example, double uh, zero center for the legendary Raider teams. That guy, I believe he's on surgery number 87. He's already had to have one leg amputated. The guy is just a wreck now. Obviously, football today is much safer than it was way back when. But you know, still the point serves. Uh, you know, s- serves to strengthen what I'm saying, which is, if you can walk away now, fully intact, why not? Why not? You've made all the money in the world. Now, let's uh, let's look at another side of this, uh, Gino, before we move on, which is there's some fault that lies with the Raiders, right? Because we got mixed messages during this off-season campaign. On one hand, they're trying to build with character guys, locker room guys, guys who love to play football, guys who avoid off-field drama, and that's how they built through the draft. Yet, when it came to free agencies or uh, veteran players, you know whether it's Antonio Brown or Vontes Perfect, guys like that, I'm not so, so sure it's consistent with the message. Man.
1: And, and this is, I think uh, I had five, I'm in mean, five fantasy football leagues. And one of them, I took a swing with Antonio Brown. Um, and, and even from, from more of, of a, like, just like a pure talent standpoint, this isn't a guy that, like, this is the guy who's still in his prime right now. I mean, he could legitimately win some games for the Raiders and, and com- completely change the complexion of this team. But what do
2: you do? I mean, when it, when it, yeah, when is it too far? Sure. Is this year number nine or number 10 for, for AB? Uh,
3: let's
1: look. Keep, keep talking for a second. Let me look at yeah.
2: yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You, you have to imagine that what happened in Pittsburgh wasn't just a fluky thing. I'm of the mindset that when you're a team player, you find a way to get along with your coaching staff and with management And if that wasn't happening in Pittsburgh, I don't see how it could happen or why it should happen in Oakland. Right. So, yeah, this will be year 10. Yeah. And
1: you've been over a thousand yards, you know, in 2011, 2013, for almost 1,500, 2014, almost 1,700, 2015, 1,800, 2016, 1,200, 2017, 1,500. Even last year, twelve hundred and missing the last game. And you know, he misses a game the last the the last couple years. So the guy's got it. It's just when you're trying to set a culture too, they're trying to have a culture there as they as they you know finish up and they move to
2: to Vegas. Well keep something in mind too this was one final opportunity to see what Derek Carr does with a tier one wide receiver. Right? Before we you know, go all in and commit on a, a rookie quarterback, on drafting a quarterback starting next year, this is one final ap- opportunity for us to see what Derek Carr, can he get his game elevated to the point that justifies the big contract he got a couple of years ago or not. And, and now if, if Terrell Williams is going to be your number one rookie, Hunter Renfro, you know, uh, a lot of unproven guys on the office. A uh, lot, you of know, even
1: your tight end is running is back. Is someone you know? coming back from a uh, you know the drug. He, he could be he could be huge Waller, but sure. he could be a total. He's a total question mark.
2: Sure, Josh Jacobs. I mean, y- yeah, you just don't know where you're all of question these
1: guys. marks. He was sure. the, the, the constant there. He was, was he was to. a safety blanket. You exactly. know, Brown at least he was. He, he, like Carr could struggle, and Brown could still make things happen. Break went off. And all of a sudden, score a touchdown and just keep you in games a lot of the time
2: too. Sure. So, Gino, let's uh, let's let's move on from one team that's got a tremendous amount of turmoil and instability to probably the most stable team in the National Football League over the last twenty years in sports, maybe. Absolutely, yeah. or maybe on all of sports. That's absolutely right. We're gonna bring in a friend of the show. Nick Underhill, who covers the Patriots on a daily basis, year-round basis for the Athletic Boston. Nick, good evening for you back east. How's it going in uh, in Red Sox land?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's going well. You know, I, I'd say they're the most stable franchise in sports. Like when players aren't like murdering people and the owner isn't getting investigated uh, for weird things. And- true. <laughs> the safety isn't getting indicted for cocaine, and you know there's a lot of stuff. But somehow they they just they just move right past it. They they just you know keep winning games, and none of that stuff ever matters. But and
2: that's a great that point. Antonio
3: Brown like, stuff is unreal.
2: Uh, it is, and I, and I want to hear your your take on it. But let me jump in on what you just said there. Do you think there's something to that? If you win, you know that I mean, does the media let the club off the hook? You know, why does Ra- the Raiders get grilled? And I know a lot of that was because of Al Davis. Why do they get roasted, though? Is it because they're not winning? Let's just say they were the ones going to, you know, a bunch of Super Bowls, and it was the opposite of New England. Would it change the coverage, the um, attitudes, I mean, opinions? I,
3: I think they do get roasted for a lot of stuff. It's just that, like, it's one, it's ineffective with, me, with fans because they don't care. They're winning games. They're winning the Super Bowl every year. And it is kind of hard to be, you know, critical to a point where it's like, oh, this is going to screw up the team and this could be the thing that undoes them. all. Robert Kraft's, you know, situation is going to be a distraction. No, it's not. They're going to go out and they're going to win their, their 12, 13 games and be back in the playoffs and make a Super Bowl run and it's not going to matter. And I think the other leg of that is that Belichick just kills stories. Like, they signed Tim Tebow and it's not a story because he just isn't going to talk about it. You bring up Tim Tebow and, you know, oh, he's. he's practicing art, we'll use them however is best for the team. And that's it. You get nothing from it. And they don't let Tebow talk to anybody. And, you know, when he does, he's controlled in what he's saying. And, you know, how, how do you keep Josh Tebow Manio Gordon. going when, when there's know, like, no oxygen? Yeah. So, so it's, uh, Morgan, you know, they, he's been the same way. He, he,
1: it's like he, he goes in and out and, and you don't even really notice it. And he, if that was somewhere else, that would be a major story.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's just. The way they do things up here is it's it's crazy. I mean, it's hard to write even just a story about you know the personality of a linebacker just because they don't talk about it. Hey, you know who's the funniest guy in the linebacker group? Oh, we're all funny.
0: Yeah, but who tells the best jokes?
3: Everybody tells good jokes, and it's just that's it. You can't you can't do anything. They 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 know how to play the game, and then when the stuff pops up, it it's a story for a day. You say it happens, but there's no reaction, and so it goes away, and that's it.
2: Nick. Give me three reasons why the Super Bowl will uh, be the final destination for the Patriots once again, and uh, maybe a, a couple of reasons why they won't get there.
3: Well, I mean, reasons one and two are always going to be the same, and I wish I had something more creative to say to you. But Tom and Bill, you know, they're they're both still here. Uh, you know, I've I thought Brady has looked pretty good. Uh, throughout the summer you know I, I came up here from covering the Saints for the last five years you got kind of the comparison there of the uh the two older quarterbacks and you know I'm not saying that it's like drastically different or anything but I, I do think Brady has a little bit more zip on his ball and maybe that's maybe that's a little bit biased by me to say because the way the Saints season ended last year uh Breeze faded a little bit after Thanksgiving so you know maybe if that picture hadn't come into focus the way he looked earlier in the season was, was absolutely incredible until. That game against Dallas, but after that, you know, it kind of went away, but you know, I, I think, I think Brady still looks pretty sharp. Uh, you know, Belichick's always going to be Belichick. And then the other reason is I, I just think their defense is, is kind of loaded, uh, top to bottom. Their secondary is probably one of the best in, in football. You know, Stefan Gilmore is, you know, if not the best cornerback, one of the top two or three, uh, then behind him, they got JC Jackson, an up and coming second year player who, who played very, very well last year, uh, Jason McCourty, solid. And then, you know, the group of safeties are, are really good too. Uh, the linebackers are, are, it's just stacked top to bottom on, on that defense. So, you know, I think they're going to ride that and, and they're going to, you know, they lost their center, uh, David Andrews. So that's a little bit of a hit on the running game, which which they're going to try to ride throughout the year. But, you know, that's another area where they have just really good uh, coaching with Dante Uh Ted Karras is presumably going to step up and, and take that center role. So I think they're going to ride that running game. Uh, The defense is going to be really good. And then, you know, when they got to lean on Brady, he's still Brady. And then why they won't, you know, uh, tight ends, a big concern I don't think they have anybody there that, that you would want to throw a football to like period, unless they're wide open. Um, you know, the, the wide receivers might be okay or they might not, you know, Josh Gordon just came back. He played in the last preseason game, uh, you know, he, he only got two or six targets in that game. Didn't look great. I assume he'll, he'll eventually get up to speed. You know, Demarius Thomas was, was solid in that game. That was the first look at him. Uh, but he's coming off a torn uh, Achilles. He's very old. And, you know, he could fade too. So if those two guys don't work out, how they move the ball through the air could be a little bit problematic. And, you know, really, that that's that's really the only issues there, unless, unless you see, you know, the possibility where, where Brady looks like a 40-year-old quarterback all of a sudden. Then that could be an issue too. But other than that, I mean, you know, I think they'll probably they'll probably make a, another deep run, and you got to get a couple of those bounces, you know, to go your way to get to the Super Bowl. But you know, I, I think they definitely have the talent to be in the mix.
1: And yeah, and what's been nice about the division for the last few years is that there really haven't been any teams to kind of jump up and and be good for a sustained period of time. Maybe the Jets had had a couple years where they were. They were there and competitive with, with the Patriots. But when you kind of handicap the division again this year on paper, it doesn't really look to be that strong. I think maybe the the Bills and the Jets are making some strides, but Miami definitely is taking a couple steps back. They look like they're going for a super tank mode this year. Who, I mean, how do you, you handicap the Patriots against this division this year? It looks like it should be a pretty good opportunity for them again to get five or six wins.
2: Actually, Nick, yeah, I can mean, I interrupt you? Before you jump in on that, can you hang with us for a quick sec while we take a really fast commercial break, and then uh, we could get your, your scoop on that? Yeah, we're going we're Let's do that. Okay, let's take a quick commercial break. Stay with us. We'll be back with Nick Underhill from The Athletic Boston.
1: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
4: Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs>
0: for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel.
5: Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience?
3: Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else—football and beyond. Sports info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast, all the time. The
4: number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at one 472 5788 That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at the show.com Now, back to this week's program. Okay, we're back here on the Mike Abadir Show, and we were talking uh,
1: first about all the craziness. So I think... Mike, let's let's answer the conversation we were talking during the break that nobody else heard first. Antonio Brown, it looks like, has an opportunity to get uh, to get perhaps suspended and and perhaps the contract voided if that if that's the case from from what has been uh, talked about earlier today. So there's been a lot happening on the Antonio Brown. Uh, front. If you're just joining us right now, we're talking with Nick about the Patriots. We're talking a little bit about the division in particular. So with Miami and the trade they made the other day, it looks like they're content with uh, this being what they say is a rebuilding year. But it looks like the Jets and the Bills are kind of already on the rebuild. And everything that I've read and heard are, are positives coming out of both of those places, but how much of a step can they take forward? Are they going to be able to have any opportunity con- to contend with the Pats?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, the only team that, that has really given them issues in recent years is been Miami and it's been the games in, in Miami. And I think that's more about maybe the atmosphere, you know, going down there when it's hot and, and not being prepared for it. Um, and actually I think, you know, they they had joint practices in Nashville, uh, second week of the preseason and I think maybe that was the kind of kind of prepare for for that atmosphere and everything but like the talent there is just so bad that if everybody in that division doesn't sweep Miami I I would be kind of surprised if it seems like they want to lose every game anyhow so I think Miami would be mad if they didn't get swept by everybody in the division too so you know it it seems like the goal there is definitely the number one pick you know the Jets are maybe the one team that I'm kind of keeping an, uh, an eye on a little bit you know I know there seems to be some optimism around uh, Sam Darnold, you know, around the league, but I'm not totally quite convinced yet. I need to see a little bit more out of him before I kind of look at them as a team that can possibly threaten the Patriots. And, you know, the Bills' defense is really good. they got a lot of players there, so you can never count that out. But, you know, overall, I, I think it's like you said, that this division is still something that I think plays very well into the hands of the Patriots. And even if they aren't maybe as talented you know, as they were two or three years ago, you know, the rest of this division, not quite being there, I think helps them out a lot.
2: You know, you'd mentioned earlier that, you know, the Pats don't have a tight end target. And, uh, you were just tweeting actually about Gronk and, uh, amazing when you see those photos as to how much weight he's lost. I mean, he was just playing in a, in a, you know, Super Bowl a few months ago.
3: Yeah, it's crazy. He's, he looks skinny, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, the weight fell off him very, very quick. He, he definitely doesn't have that, that muscle mass that he had. Um, you know, there, there is a lot of talk. People want to talk about him possibly coming back. I don't see it. Um, you know, even, even if you judge from his words, he, he kind of, you know, f- threw a little bit of, uh, gasoline on the fire this past week, but he was promoting, uh, some CBD oil, you know, the, the health benefits of it. And, you know, Gronk talking about, oh, well, I could still play football He's going to get everybody to talk about. Oh, well, Gronk was, you know, said this while pitching the CBD oil. So it was a good marketing play. But, uh, you know, at The Athletic, we talked to him after that. And he kind of, you know, let it be known that, that his heart wasn't in it and the desire isn't there. And you can see that in his body. He's not working out the way he used to. You know, if if he wanted to play, he'd need to gain 20, 30 pounds back. How quickly can that happen? And I just don't... I don't see it. You know, I, I think he's quite a ways off, you know, maybe a year from now, if he doesn't find something else to do that, that gives him a little bit of life fulfillment. Maybe he makes an effort to try to play football again. But I think if he finds anything to put his passion into, it's going to be a wrap for him.
2: Yeah. Plus, it doesn't sound like he was, uh, you know, kind of living life on a daily basis with a uh, joy you know, he kind of lost that joy. It right. doesn't seem like he was very happy. I mean, uh, so much so that, uh, you know, he, he got a little bit teary-eyed when he was talking about it. So uh, I don't really see that happening either. Nick, before we let you go, uh, prediction time, whether it be for the Pats or just a Super Bowl prediction overall, how do you see the season playing out?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be the Patriots and, and the Saints, actually, the, the two teams I, I covered. You know, I think the Saints have been knocking on that door every year, and I'm not really concerned about them having – you know, any ill effects from the way last season ended, I, I know, you know, that's something that, that sometimes teams have to get over that, that extreme disappointment. But look, the year before they had the extreme disappointment against Minnesota and they got over it just fine. And they were right back up, you know, on the cusp of it. So I think uh if, if Marshawn Lattimore is even just marginally better than he was a year ago at cornerback, I, I think that they should have a really, really good defense. I think the offense is, is still going to be, you know, very good and, They should get right back there. And then, you know, the Patriots are the Patriots uh, until somebody beats them. Kind of got to keep thinking that they're going to, they're going to win games. So I'll put those two in it. And then I don't know. I think the Saints might be the more talented team, but I think the Patriots have the more talented coaching staff. So I got to go with the coaching.
2: There you have it. Nick Underhill pats saints super bowl that would be pretty epic from a uh, legendary quarterback perspective and uh, two wonderful head coaches as always nick thank you we'll check back in with you as uh, the season progresses thanks nick hey thanks for having me good luck that's nick underhill from the athletic boston always bringing good stuff very knowledgeable about the team obviously and uh you know has always got good insight gino let's uh use this opportunity until we have our next guest join us for uh, some of our predictions, let's uh, let's maybe t- approach it from uh, who are the division winners and wild card teams from each conference.
1: Okay, you want to start? Sure. I have in the AFC. We'll start with the Patriots, who I think uh, they're going to win it. I think Kansas City is going to win the, their division. I will take. Cleveland in what I think is going to be the most competitive division in football from a, I guess, the best division of football from with three really good teams that might all win double-digit games. And then a team that I'm very high on this year, a team that you were very high on a couple years ago. I think they're going to win their division. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to upset a couple of good teams, and you're going to see in week one, they're going to be one of my plays, the Jacksonville Jags. I think they're going to win their division.
0: So those and, are know, my four just, division winners. You just told, stole
2: stole my thunder there, and actually that is also maybe stealing a little bit of thunder from our next guest. Gino, let's uh, put our selections on hold and get to our next guest so that we can uh, get some insight from him, Tony Pauline from the Pro Football Network. Used to be with Sports Illustrated. Been around the game for a long, long time. Tony, good evening. How are you, my friend? Hey, Tony.
5: I'm okay. Nice to nice to speak to you after a long, long while.
2: Yeah, it's been a long time, man. Uh, so uh, you know, my my co-host Gino and I. Uh, We're just talking about Jacksonville. He's just started talking about Jacksonville, and I know you're pretty high on them, too.
5: Uh, Yeah, as I texted you earlier, I I mean, I I think they're going to win nine games or more. I think, you know, you've seen a, over the past two weeks, you've seen a major upheaval in that entire AFC South. I mean, from Andrew Luck retiring, which now probably moves Indianapolis from a team that could have won 12 games to a team that may win seven or eight games. I do like Jacoby Brissett, but. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know that he's going to you know, win more than eight or nine games. Uh, the, the Texans, obviously, with all their moves, we'll have to see how it works out. It looks good on paper, but we'll see how it translates onto the field. And, and then you got Jacksonville, who I think they made a lot of good moves in the offseason. Obviously, the big move was getting Nick Foles. I think they uh, had a very good draft with Josh Allen, who's going to improve their pass rush. You bring in Reichwell Armstead in case Leonard Fournette goes down with an injury. I think Reichwell Armstead would do good as a spot starter. They improved their offensive line with Juwan Taylor, who's now their starting right tackle. They improved their tight end position with Josh Oliver. Granted, these guys are rookies, but you know you've got a lot of veterans there. You got some veteran. You got a veteran quarterback in Nick Foles. So I, I think you know they came out. They come into the season answering a lot of the questions that they had after the 2018 season was over.
2: Very interesting. You know, I I think that you hit it on the nose with that division being in in, in a little bit of upheaval. And, um, you know, obviously the way Deshaun Watson's played. I didn't realize this, but Deshaun Watson is the first quarterback in NFL history as a starter to uh, have a 100 passer rating or above in his first two seasons. Just a quick thought on kind of his progression from Clemson and being a constant winner there to, uh, you know, what he's done in the league so far when he's been healthy.
5: I think he's done much better than I expected. You know, I always was concerned about his downfield accuracy. I was always concerned about his, his lateral, his accuracy on the lateral passes, but I, I, you know, he was always a good athlete with a strong arm and a high quality person. I mean, he was always a guy who was a leader at Clemson. He's a leader on the field. He's got his priorities in line. And, you know, the fact is, is Bill O'Brien has had a lot of success coaching quarterbacks. And I think O'Brien has had success, you know, or or basically transitioned that success into, uh, you know, getting Deshaun Watson to where he is. The irony is, uh, the irony of it all is, if you remember uh, the night that the Texans uh, selected Deshaun Watson, they made a a big move up into round one to get him. And the NFL uh, network showed that war room. And there were a lot of stone faces there after they selected Deshaun Watson. You, you didn't see a lot of people, you know, uh, high-fiving each other and jumping up and down like you saw, or hand, at least handshaking, as you often do when teams make a big trade to get a player they wanted. I, I'll never forget it. I, I mean, you had the, the former GM there. You had the coach there. And, and they would just sat there stone faced after making this big move up to get the quarterback of the future. I think it's probably worked out better than a lot of them have expected as well.
2: Was that a Rick Smith pick?
5: That was a Rick Smith pick, exactly. And, and if you go back and look at the YouTube videos, if you find them, O'Brien's kind of stone-faced, kind of like, eh. and, and Rick Smith has got got kind of a cat-like grin on his on his face, which <laughs> made you think that this was a Rick Smith move uh, and this was a Rick Smith call, and it's worked out for the franchise. So
1: let's go around the, the, the rest of the league. Uh, who are maybe one team that you think it will exceed expectations and maybe one team that you think uh, will regress a little bit from last year.
5: Well, the team, I think is going to, that's going to exceed expectations. I think is the Jacksonville Jaguars who, who I just spoke about and and they they will exceed expectations for the reasons I gave. I I don't know that they're going to regress, but you know, a lot of people are talking about the New York jets making a run at the playoffs, the New York jets winning nine or 10 games this year. I don't see it. I don't see it at all for a couple of reasons. You know, I don't know why people are putting their faith faith in Adam Gase, who really did nothing at at Miami and left that franchise in a worse state than when he got there. Uh, People hope, expect Sam Darnold to take the next step. I can understand that. People think that Le'Veon Bell is going to help that offense. On paper, that that looks good. But the fact is, is, you know, where Jacksonville answered all the questions that they had in the offseason, the Jets answered none of them really. I mean, their biggest need, pressing need in the offseason was a, a pass rusher, an edge rusher. They didn't get that. You had the whole Anthony Barr situation, and there was no contingency plan. They had a big, big hole at cornerback. They didn't feel that. They had a hole at center. We don't know if they feel that, you know, getting uh, talking Ryan Khalil to come back out of, uh, out of retirement. I mean, you know, the Jets are reliant on Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell. They have kind of reworked the interior of their offensive line, Yet those offens- those new offensive linemen have not played one game together in the preseason, which is a dangerous thing because uh, offensive lines work on knowing each other. They work on continuity. They work on being comfortable with each other. And, you know, this Sunday, when they go up against Buffalo, it's going to be the first time that these guys have basically played together uh, as a unit. And you're going to be going up against Ed Oliver, Starbuda Laley, you know, Trent Murphy. You're going to be going up against some... Uh, uh, some guys who who are pretty uh, motivated uh, to to, uh, to to win on the other end, and some talented guys on the other side of the ball.
2: Very very good points there about the Jets. Do you have a, a Super Bowl prediction?
5: You know, before Andrew Luck retired, I, I had uh, when I did my uh, mock 2020 draft after the 2019 event was over. I had the Indianapolis Colts as the Super Bowl winners. Obviously, you got to backtrack from that. I think it's going to be Kansas City. I expect Patrick Mahomes to, uh, to, to continue to progress on the field and take the next step. I like Andy Reid. Andy Reid is one of the really good guys in the league. I'd like to see Andy Reid get there again. And, and I think the, the team he's going to be playing against is the Philadelphia Eagles because, again, you know, like the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Eagles answered a lot of their questions in the offseason. They made a brilliant move up and around one to get Andre Gillard Who's going to be start? Who will you know eventually be starting for them at left tackle? He is absolutely their left tackle of the future to uh, protect Carson Wentz. They got a terrific receiver in white side, who who is just lighting it up in the uh, in the preseason. And though he's not the speedster, he's not the burner that the Eagles want. He's absolutely going to be a very good red zone threat and a third down target. And then they got Miles Sanders, the running back from uh, from Penn State in round two. Who's already slated to be the starter? and He's the perfect fit for that system. So uh, I, I think you know, to the, the to the uh, to the the spoils go the, to the riches go. The rich get richer, and, and I think yeah. that's that's what you found with the uh, <clears throat> with the Eagles, you know, in the off season in the draft, making good moves <clears throat> and, and basically filling in the pieces that they needed. To the winner goes to the spoils. Need- that's what I'm thinking. Sorry. Sure.
2: No, it's okay. I was going to say the the uh, we are up against a quick commercial break can you hang with us for a few minutes sure outstanding we'll be back with tony pauline from the pro football network stay with us we will be right back
5: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america
1: And we are talking with our second of, I believe, three guests that we're going to have for you today. And Mike, I believe you were interrupted right before we took the break. Where were you?
2: Yeah, Tony. So, um, you know, I actually lost my place as to where we're at. But I think you were kind of talking about Super Bowl predictions and things of that nature. And then I was going to jump in and ask you about the uh, Pro Football Network and uh, for you to kind of share with our listeners what you guys have going on. I've taken a look. It's pretty good seems like whether somebody's looking for uh you know just straight football insight or if they're in on the wagering side or the fantasy football side you guys have it all
5: that's basically it i mean you know in the past i've run sites that were just draft oriented because i'm primarily an nfl draft guy some people actually think i'm pretty good and i know what i'm talking about but Fantastic. what uh, pro football network does is it basically fills in all the blanks as you said i mean there's something there for anyone so it's not just draft content it's you know, if you if you want to get some ideas as far as wa- wagering is concerned, and I'm not a wager, but there, there's a good section there. Like fantasy football, just general NFL content, some general football content. It, it's a little bit of everything to keep people keep busy, and we have a real good draft section uh, as far as the NFL draft is concerned. Uh, we, uh, there are, there are stories on every single one a team, uh, bowl championship series team, whatever you want to call them. And the pro prospects that, are on, uh, that are, can be found on those teams, assuming there are pro prospects on those teams, not just seniors, but guys that are juniors, redshirt sophomores. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's basically, it, it, it keep, it'll keep the reader, it'll keep the viewer busy because there's a little bit of everything for everybody.
2: And, and tell us maybe a little bit about the uh, data lab.
5: Uh, well, you know, that's a lot of techno dump, uh, jumbo mumbo to me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, if you're into that sort of thing, I, I mean, listen, everybody's into metrics and all that sort of stuff today. I'm still old school. I watch the, game, I watch the film and I base on, uh, on the film, but everyone's into all these metrics and that's fine. There's there absolutely a place for that, but that's, uh, that is what the data lab is based around.
2: Good stuff, my man. Well, we're really happy that you've uh, made a few moments to join us. I know you're super busy today and uh, leading up to opening day here, but uh, we, you know, we'll, we'll continue to uh, you know, tweet out the link for this show and also for the Pro Football Network as well, and uh, we look forward to bringing you back on with us uh, as the season goes on.
5: Mike, thanks for having me. It's, it's good to speak with you again. Thank you.
2: That is Tony Pauline with the Pro Football Network. And, Gino, right before he came on, you were just uh, kind of going through the AFC.
1: Yeah. Uh, Pats, Jags, Browns, Chiefs as my division winners. And then I'm going to have Chargers, Baltimore in. And the teams are right on the outside looking in, Pitt and Houston.
2: Interesting. Okay. Uh, my division winners are New England, Jacksonville, Kansas City, and Pittsburgh. My wild cards are the Texans and the Chargers. And my outside looking in are Cleveland and Baltimore. And the main thing about Cleveland, I mean, and I've seen kind of what the uh, the metrics and analytics numbers, what win total they come up with, and, uh, and a lot of the hype and things of that nature. Man, I'm just not sold on having a head coach – that has only been a coordinator for two months of his life, running backs coach beforehand. You know, he knows offensive linemen pretty well, but that's a very daunting task to take somebody who's really never been anything beyond a position coach to take a team to the playoffs. You know, head coaching isn't that easy. And uh, it's kind of the same thing. You know, on the flip side of the equation, you know, a lot of people are pretty high on the Jets. And I completely agree with Tony Pauline. And I know you heard me complaining a lot about Gase last year. Yeah, I'm, you know, I don't think the Jets are going to be very good this year. Yeah, either. and yeah. it's too bad because um, I, I have watched a little bit of uh, Sam Darnold this uh, preseason. And he's he's looking like he's taking the next step forward. I mean, I think he's going to be a pretty nice NFL quarterback. But um, not with Gase at the helm, man. Just not, a, not, not big on him. So let's move over to the NFC. Uh, I have the... Rams, who I think are
1: going to not be quite as dominant this year. They have a pretty tough schedule. Uh, The Eagles, I think, might be one of the best teams in football. The Saints and the Packers I have as my division winners there. I have the Falcons and the Seahawks. So outside looking in in the NFC, which I think is much tougher than the AFC, I have the Cowboys, Bears, Vikings, and Panthers on the outside looking in.
2: Yeah, NFC was really tough for me, man. It was really tough because... You know there are a lot of teams that can be somewhere between the eight to ten win range. Hundred percent, that right and, there. Yep. Yeah, and, and and a field goal here or there could make the difference. Uh, the and there's a couple uh, of these games, um,
1: like week one, like a game mm-hmm. like a, a Falcons Vikings. That could be a huge game at the end of sure. the year, as far as sure. like wild card seeding is concerned. If those teams don't win their
2: divisions, sure tiebreakers and, and, and conference wins and, and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like, you know, yeah, right out of the gate, there are a couple teams out there where, uh, you know, if they don't start off like two or three and oh, they may be in deep, deep mm-hmm. trouble. You know, uh, just one quick example of a team that's probably not a contender, but like the Raiders, I mean, I don't know if you've seen how long they go between home games. It is re- ridiculous. If you, if you include a game that's scheduled as a home game, but it's internationally played. So that, to me, it's not a home game. You know what I mean? So I think they go pretty close to like two months or something like that without a home game. You know, and there's some teams that have some kind of funky stretches like that. It's going to be an interesting season from that regard. Let me go to the NFC as well. My division winners are Dallas, Chicago, New Orleans, and Seattle. I really like the fact that Seattle's built their team differently than most of the other teams in the NFL. They are a, you know, power running team. They led the NFL last year with 160 yards rushing on the ground per game. And that's with having a fantastic quarterback, probably the most underrated quarterback, in my opinion, and Russell Wilson, obviously they got good coaching from the top down, starting with Pete Carroll. And uh, to me, I think they're going to be kind of one of my surprise, really, really good teams. My wildcard teams, though, are going to be the Rams, and I agree with you. I don't think that they're going to be as like dominant, but I think, still think that they're a very good team. And uh, Philadelphia, who also, I agree with you. I think they're, they're a lethal team. Those are two wildcard teams, Gino, that could end up in the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, and, right. and the only reason, my only concern with the Seahawks, who I actually have as a wild card team, too, is I feel like they might be one pass catcher away still. Yeah, I like I like their running game. I just don't know from from a, a wide receiver depth, tight end. I just need one more. Like Lockett is is a fine stretch the field. They need the rookie to step up the uh, Metcalf. I just don't. I, I I need to see a little bit more from from their pass catchers for me to to put them in that quite top top tier. And uh, I think they'll be right there, kind of battling it out with the Rams. I actually went slightly under on the Rams total, which was ten and a half. I think the Rams will win like ten games this year and and seattle kind of be right maybe around like nine and as we mentioned the nfc i f- i feel like at least is, is much better um and much deeper uh a lot more competitive teams and a lot more competitive games and i'm actually going to pick the eagles to come out of the nfc in the super bowl against this is the one where i'm still deciding like I I like Jacksonville, but I don't know if I'm quite ready to put them in the Super Bowl. I still want to see the team take the steps that I'm hoping they take. I still want to see Fournette through a few weeks. I want to see how they play, if the defense can go back and be that number one defense that they were a couple years ago. Um, If their offensive line can stay healthy, that should be good enough. I I think they're going to be maybe one of the final four teams. I would I, I wouldn't put the Patriots in the mix. If I had to, I would like Jacksonville and Cleveland would be the teams I would be hot on, but I'd probably go safe with Kansas City versus the Eagles.
2: Uh, and before I give my pick, I didn't get a chance to give you kind of the outside teams looking in at the NFC side, and I just wanted to quickly mention that I felt that Minnesota, Tampa, and the Green Bay Packers are going to be right there looking in. My surprise team in the NFC is Tampa. You know, I really, really like Bruce Arians a lot. And I think if if Jameis Winston is ever going to get his game on track, it's this year. And we saw a glimpse of it. Was it two years ago where, where Winston had a really good campaign? And I thought it was something to build on. Well, now he's got a lot of weapons on offense. And I, I really think that Tampa this year. And by the way, we saw last year in some of those games where Fitz was getting into shootouts. He was putting up 350, 400 yards four touchdown passes. And I think that Winston, with the right coaching, can be a better quarterback than than, than Fitz, obviously. And so I, I think that they're going to take a nice step forward. I wouldn't at all be surprised if they're a nine-win team somewhere wow, in that okay. department. Yeah, so I think Tampa's going to be kind of my surprise team in the NFC. But as far we- as the Super Bowl, I'm going to – if you remember last year – uh, I took Kansas City against New Orleans. Now that was yeah. before Kansas City was known to be Kansas City. Sure, I think um, the Chargers were actually favored
1: to win the division at the beginning of the year, I believe. I last think year. so.
2: Last year, and, yeah, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna take that same matchup again this year. Um, I I think Mahomes is even gonna be better than last year. Believe it or not, um,
1: his numbers might not not be as gaudy, but he might be just a better
2: quarterback in yeah, general. Yeah, I was gonna say they don't have yeah. they don't necessarily have to be no, as gaudy. They were absurd. You know, and it seems to me like Andy Reid understands that first you have to have the quarterback believe in himself. And he more than believes in himself. Now he knows that he could do it in this league. And then you need to have a team's respect that passing attack to where now you could develop your run game. So I think there's going to be a little bit more of a balanced attack. They kind of have a three headed monster at the running back position. Obviously, LaShawn McCoy's better, best years are behind him, but you know, I think the other guys that are there are more than competent. And I think it's going to give them an ability to really have a video game like offense. I really do. And I think the saints, you know, they, they all, I think they're, they're better on both sides of the ball. If you could believe that. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about Drew Brees, uh, you know, last year he had a ridiculous year. Uh, you know, obviously once that Cowboys game hit, um, statistically, you know, he wasn't necessarily he as good. Tailed off he a little as bit. Specific. Yeah, tailed off a little bit. But I wonder if that's kind of more a function of you know you're in. Uh, you know, obviously they wanted to get that number one seed, which they did. But you know, and and I think when they looked at the last four or five remaining games, they knew that they had Tampa twice, I believe. You know, they didn't have necessarily a really really tough schedule. So I, I don't know if they went on cruise control or what exactly, but it looks like he's back to kind of being Drew Brees from from the little amount that he's uh, kind of displayed. So I'm thinking uh, Kansas City, New Orleans, and I'm going to say that the Saints do win the Super Bowl and Drew Brees retires immediately afterwards. So our buddy Nick,
1: who uh, Nick Mr. Guru Nick, who's in the fantasy league with us, Nick Laser, uh, he said, "Jags, put down the Foles Kool Aid; it will kill you." It's Houston's world, and we still live in it. Um, so he's listening out there. Good to hear from you, Nick. Best of luck this year in the fantasy league. My my um, reason for liking the Jags isn't really even. I I think that Foles will be huge for them, and I think he does. I'm not expecting Foles to be anything more than just an average quarterback because i think that's all a team like jacksonville needs they just not to be they just need to not be hurt by their quarterback which has been the case for them when they've struggled with bortles and the inconsistency if he can just be average help them run the offense well i'm my uh expectations with the jags is that their defense is going to bounce back and be more of that number 1 overall defense that they were i think last year after some early struggles you know it's it's really deflating for a defense when you keep you know, putting a zero up, or you keep getting to three and out, three and out, and then your offense um, throws a pick, or you have to come right back on the field. I just think it's going to be a totally different year for them. The offensive line is healthier. I'm expecting a big year from Fournette, and then the defense bouncing back and being that top tier defense. So, with those three factors, and then you add fools into the mix instead of Bortles, that's kind of why I'm on the Jags.
2: Uh, you perfectly said it. I don't need to say any more. Every single thing you said about the Jaguars, I completely agree on. It all begins and ends with their defense and their running game. And they can uh, play defense like we know they can. And they've got a pretty good running game. Nick Foles doesn't turn over the ball a lot. They should be right there in the mix, especially in a down division. I do agree with uh, with our guy Nick that the Texans are going to be, you know, right there. And I have the only as a problem is their schedule. Well. Their only problem they have one of the toughest schedules in the league. If you go
1: through game by game, take a look at how tough that Houston schedule is. Mike, quickly, do you have any games for Week One? We only have about a minute or two left.
2: Yes. So, uh, and and we'll put our percentages once again, like we did last year. We hit at a sixty-eight percent clip, almost seventy. I got one play for this week. And that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: Okay. Against San Francisco.
2: What about you? I have four plays for
1: you real quick. Atlanta plus the four, they're playing at Minnesota. I'm going to go with the Jets. It's down to two and a half now. So they're minus two and a half at home. I I like the Jets there. I'm going to go Jacksonville plus the three and a half. They're the home underdog against Kansas City. They may be able to win that game straight up. And then the Rams are down to minus two and a half favorite on the road at Carolina. But make sure you get the two and a halves on both of those games. That's the key for for the Jets and the Rams.
2: There you have it, guys. And every single week, we uh, keep ourselves in check and we uh, you know, post and talk about our results. You can follow us all week long on Twitter. And we will be here to recap and talk about week two next Thursday. Same time, same place. Thanks for listening. Have a great sports weekend and an opening
0: day of the NFL.